Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 40-ish. Where Thanks Jason tries to figure out exactly what episode number this is. I I need a little, like, um, like grease pencil and, and board so I can make a little slash mark every time. You need a clamper uh, board. I need production assistance then, and I, I just don't think that's in the budget right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, welcome to episode thirty-six, where we're continuing our tremendous trend of having special guests in. But first, joined by the regular crew, uh, Mr. Lance Abear. Hello, uh, Mr. John Moody. Hey, uh, Mr. Andrew Tucker, who will be a form mentionally known as Tucker for the rest of this episode, most likely. Hi, all for a long introduction. I like it. Yeah. It is what I'm tired. Yeah. I'm not even going to get into it nope, now. Nope. And uh, we're, we're pleased to welcome in a, a special guest, a uh, friend of mine. Jeez, how long have I known him? I've known him since at least 2009, I'm going to think. And he'll correct me on that if I'm really, really wrong. But we want to welcome Mr. Andy Losick to 40-ish. Andy, welcome in. Hey, it's great to be asked to join you guys. Can't wait to uh, and, and hang out here for next hour or so. It's going to be awesome. Sounds good. We appreciate that. So Andy is also local-ish in terms of being in Michigan. He is on the the uh, West Coast, Midwest Coast, we call it Midwest Coast here in Michigan. But uh, Andy, before we uh, get too deep, would you do us a favor and give us your extended elevator pitch as to, to who you are and what you do. Well, my name is Andy Losick. I am an elementary STEM teacher in Hamilton, Michigan. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, beyond that, uh, I've been deep into the educational technology side of things for a long time, and, and that's how Jason and I became friends. Yeah, I, I think 2009 is probably pretty accurate there when we um, started to conspire and collaborate together. Um, big time sports fan, uh, love to fish, love the outdoors and, uh, just time with my family and traveling is, uh, how I spend most the rest of my time when I get that. Nice. So Andy, I do, I follow you a lot on social media because that's where our world started on, on Twitter way back in the day. Uh, I have a question to ask you in terms of fishing real quick, because I have a neighbor here who's still constantly pulling his boat out of his garage and disappearing for a couple hours. Um, He's smuggling. (laughs) Probably across what the, the Kalamazoo river or the Creek behind my house. I don't know. You don't know. I, I don't. And I should ask, but uh, Andy, what are people fishing for around here right now? Is it still a typical fishing season or is this a change with the the weather? I think it's probably, it's, you know, extended summer. September is one of those months that when I retire from teaching, I can't wait to enjoy because it's really around here, fourth month of summer and, you know, bass, bluegill, all that stuff. But um, beyond that, the salmon are going to start coming up the rivers pretty soon. And and when Lake Michigan flips over, Mm -hmm. all the walleye come into Lake Magatawa or Saugatuck Harbor or St. Joe. And so uh, you see people out there going after big slab walleye this time of year. Hmm. Maybe more fishing information you wanted to know there. I don't know if I've ever. No, there's always good. Well, fishing no, information. see, I never. There's never bad fishing information. No. I... He was uh... fishing for fishing <laughs> information. <laughs> and thanks for joining us on this episode. Can't exactly. go any past that because I probably just doesn't want to cut his grass. That's why he's puns fishing. are welcome. Uh, it's not bad. Well, I like actually. That. 
he's and he's got the nice rider. I mean, a really nice rider. So anyway, cool. So well, once again, thanks thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Andy's right. We were definitely uh, into technology early on in my teaching career, uh, which is just a a small sliver of the time that Andy has been in the classroom or around kids in terms of education. Uh, so that's kind of the focus of, of tonight's episode. We want to kind of talk about uh, a little technology then and now, what you're seeing, what's different, uh, communication and whatnot. So uh, what I'd like to start with is a question for, for everybody. And this is kind of a personal preference question, but um as of late, where, where I live and where my kids go to school, there has been a general conversation concern around how families are getting information. Um, when we were kids, all I remember when information was coming from the school, it happened in one of a couple ways. We either got a note home from the teacher. Uh-huh. Rarely were you getting a phone call unless you were in some deep, deep shit. That's true. Um and the only other thing major that we'd hear from the school is whether or not there was a snow day. And we didn't hear that from the school. We got it from from radio, typically, or TV. Right. So the question I want to ask is, what do you think it would be the most preferable way of getting information from the school and, and why? Um, Andy, I want to start with you and your district. When when people share out information, how, how is it coming out to the parents? Is it one modality? Well, is if it you go ones? just to like, let's go to the elementary uh, classroom. Uh, most teachers are now emailing their weekly newsletter. Some are still printing them out. Uh, and so you're, you're getting that. But most of the communication that comes from the school itself, from the district, most of that is coming via email. And then there are all these other layers that are being added to it now by teachers. Teachers are using this thing called Remind, which will send text right to families. And then a lot of teachers are using an app called Class Dojo, which lets them really communicate on a a daily, as needed, multiple times daily um, method right right to the parents. So they've got this thing set up where they're keeping track of a positive and negative behaviors. And then, you know, boom, they can hit one button. And, and it's like, it just, that note home from the teacher is immediately in mom's email or text that way. So it's, it's, it's multi-tiered. Um, and then mm-hmm. districts are hmm. spending a ton on their social media presence now, trying to connect on Facebook, trying to connect on Instagram. Our new principal, he's, he does a lot with Instagram stories right now and you know has developed quite a following of families that are that's how they're engaging with the school so you name the you name the tool it's it's being utilized really somewhere by by district interesting so what i always wonder and people talk about often so i work in the corporate environment after being in education for years is that email is dying so lance uh out of all of us probably works in the most corporate environment um Lance, how many emails are you sending or receiving on the, on a daily basis? Is it dying where you are? Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish. Um, I <laughs> I send I send out I send out and process probably four. I'd say, probably close four. probably close to a hundred and wow. to one hundred and twenty emails a day. What? Yeah, you know, but that's really? that, that's my that's pretty much my only mode of you know communication with my company you know, with any of my customers is you know, through email and um, you know I, I process 
me and my other teammate, you know, process about, about 900 emails a, a month <clears throat> between the two of us. So Jesus, how about internal communication? Um, Andy, for you, for, for both of you, for Lance and Andy, uh, and I'll ask everybody else because I know, I think I know Moody's answer. Tucker's, I have no idea. Um, for internal communication, are you using email or do you have a couple of options available to you? Most of our internal is um, done either, yeah, either through email um, and being in a, being in a healthcare industry, we have, we have a little bit more structure as far as what we what we communicate and you know what needs to be documented so mm -hmm. i mean we are regulated by the federal government to to keep some you know documentation so a lot of the stuff that we do is is important to to document you know and the only way, the best way to do that is through email but uh, we do have an instant message application that we use that you know if we just need to you know kind of get a hold of somebody or you know instead of calling them on the phone um, yep. we, what are you using? Um, we're, we're using a, a program from uh, Unify. It's called Circuit. Huh. Um, it's a uh, it's it's Circuit is a um, it's own it's like I said it's owned by Unify uh, is the name of the uh, brand that uh, uses it. But our phone system is going is, is slowly being turned over to a soft phone system. Um, and so the, and any, anybody that does have a desk phone, like most, because we are a call center. So most of the people that are in the call center has, will have a phone, a soft phone system, um, so that they can work remote if they need to, or they can come into the office, but I, I don't work remote. So I'll have a desk phone that is, will actually be a soft phone connected. So I'll be able to call anybody from my computer on my, on my desk phone. So. But okay. You know, but most most of the stuff I do is through email, um, you know, instant message communication through Circuit if I if I need it or you know my telephone. So okay, Moody Tucker, what is your situation? Because I'm going to come back to you, uh, Andy, about internal communication because I could totally see with Lance being in the healthcare field the need for like tracking and searching and and anything related to confidential data or information moody i mean that's i don't think that's a situation for you as much how do, do you guys communicate via just email? I do email all the time because it's a paper trail like he like lance said it's right. so easy especially when you're talking to people about things you're going to do and other stuff like that if someone's like well i thought this is what we were going to do to pull up the email and say no this is what we agreed upon yeah i'm with john on that because we do a lot of document uh We'll send documents back and forth, and especially when we're getting signatures. But um, I find myself on the phone more just to get stuff done because mm -hmm. the government's been using email for long enough, and it's just so easy for people to delete it or forget it or not read it, where yeah, I would just assume get up and walk to the building I need to go to or call, uh, especially if they're uh, – because we have – we end up talking to – folks in uh, Maryland a lot. And so, you know, email, mm -hmm. yeah, it's fine. It, it works as a, uh, a tracker, but uh, yeah, it's got the phone. It's easier. Losick, is that a concern for you guys? The ability to, let, let's just go with CYA in terms of communication and conversation. Like, yeah, I told you the, uh, you know, permission slips had to be in by Tuesday. That was the deadline. Or I needed to see you for this meeting about your student or anything like that. Is that still a concern? Or do you actually have to think about how you're communicating before you choose the method you communicate with? No, I think email gives us a lot of that, especially when we're dealing with parents. When it's okay. 
Um, especially when you get into the legal things like the, like the IEP, which is the individual education plan for students, especially mm-hmm. if you have special needs, special, special education, um, that paper trail. And, and, you know, we use email a lot internally, but so much of what we do is email through G Suite or Google Apps, Google Docs. And so, so nice to um, <laughs> you know, we share, you know, we, the best way to collaborate is start a Google Doc amongst all the fourth grade teachers in the district. And we're going to work on that together. Or weekly memos come out in Google Docs that way. Or we're going to build a, you know, shared slide deck or, you know, anything from, you know, Google Sheets are so much better to get than an Excel file because it's there and I can get to it anywhere and, and so forth. So, um, and then we have instant messaging gotcha. through that as well. And, you know, your, your Gmail, all that. So that's, that's really internally the way we run is, is based almost entirely on Google apps. So you've got me thinking about something and you're with Lance on Lance is, uh, the, the mm-hmm. ultimate Google fanboy, uh, and I'm getting there. I'm getting there, but uh, I'd love to. So I'd love to talk about my experience a little bit and kind of bounce it off what you're seeing, uh, Andy. And that's simply this Google Docs in the Google. I say Google Docs, but it's the whole G Suite, right? So it's Docs, um, the presentation software, slides and uh, what they call sheets. Thank you for numbers and, and Excel sort of stuff. When you are assessing a student's technological knowledge and the ability to apply technology to a problem, is it less that they know how to use the tool or is it more along the lines of they can use the tool decently and apply it? Because when I taught technology, caveat, I think I've said this a long time ago in the, in the podcast, it was a specials class. So students would show up once a week. Uh, 45 minutes or so, and we would work on technological skills that were intended to be utilized, pushed into, used in concert with other parts of their normal classroom. Um, And I ran into the challenge where the teachers wouldn't do that. They had a lot of stuff going on and they couldn't, it wasn't a a design that would support the ability for them to utilize technology along with say math or social studies like STEM is, is pushing to do. So they would come back every week right. and it would be like starting over. And that's one of the things after two years that kind of pushed me to look for something else because the system was broken and there wasn't a clear way to fix it moving forward. So when you're assessing students in the world of STEM and the ability to utilize technology, what, what are you looking for? Because in my mind, STEM equals fun. STEM equals makerspace, which we could talk about. But when you're talking actual right. assessment or, or understanding what, what have they learned or what can they do talk us through that. And guys pitch in with any questions or concerns, because this is, I got three kids, one's full on STEM guy. The other two, while technologically savvy could gotcha. really care less. Well, everything for us starts and stops with the next generation science engineering standard. So as far as what we're assessing that way, Technology is going to come in and be an enhancer to that. So I'm never really grading kids on their ability to create a keynote, their ability to create a slide deck. I want to see what they're putting inside that, if that makes sense. And so, you know, we're looking for 
we're looking for problem solving. We're looking for their ability to ask questions. We're looking at their ability to try something out, see how it performs, modify it, run it again. Those are, those are the things that we're doing in STEM. And so, like you said, STEM to you equals fun. Well, in order to assess and to see and to teach that design process, I take fish line and I run it from one end of the room to the other. And then I get out this massive tub of Legos and I say, all right, that's a zip line. Here's a GoPro session. Your job is to build something out of Legos that can take this GoPro from the top of the room over here down to the other. And so as they're doing that, they come up with an idea, they put it on and they send it down and then they go and they modify it. And so, you know, the technology has really flipped for me from the stuff that we were doing way back, you know, almost a decade ago, um, you know, where we're trying to, you know, how well they can format that letter in Google Docs and whether they can share and, and whether they can add transitions or magic move to whatever. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to build them up now as young designers, young scientists, young engineers. And then the technology is what they grab in order to make that happen, in order to record their evidence, in order to um, share out what they're doing, how to explain something that way. So that's where technology has gone for us. And now we have at least a cart of either iPads or Chromebooks in, in almost all of our classrooms. So this idea that they're only getting the technology with me and they're not constantly using that stuff has really... Um, waned quite a bit because they're using Google Docs all the time in the classroom now, at least probably second, third, fourth grade. And then, you know, they're using iPads for other stuff in, in first and second grade kindergarten. Yeah. Because we have a, we have a first grader and I believe they have Chromebooks, but their school just went through renovation and it's trying to implement more of a STEM program. But, um, I, re I vaguely remember having a computer class somewhere in elementary school, but not nearly as intense as the one that my son describes it as. So yeah, um, it, it sounds like at least his school is leaning in that direction. Well, and, and what Jason alluded to, the fact that you see him for a week and then they go away and then you have to almost start over again. I mean, that's that's the same thing that I deal with as far as only seeing kids. It's a specials class, just like we went to gym and music, yeah. just like they went to Jason's tech class. It's, it's like that. And so yeah, it's, it's, it's once a week there as well. There's, there's just this little bit of time where we kind of have to pick things up. Now my wife's a fourth grade teacher and there'll be times where I'm like, Oh, I wish I had just the same set of kids all year. I, oh, I could get amazing stuff done with them. And she's like, all right, honey, come on over. You can have you can you can run this this civilization that I run over here, um, and so then I'm like, no, no, I think I'll I'll, I'll stick being the STEM guy that way. <laughs> Lance, what are you thinking about this? I was, and I when we first heard that Andy was going to be on this episode, you know, one of the questions I came up with, um, I'll ask in my second part of this, but um, Andy, what what have you seen, or what do you see with you? You were just explaining that kind of that problem that you would create or you could create in the room for your students. What what type of things? And you may not have ever taught these these people or these kids, but 
what would what have you seen with the other technology teachers as a challenge to these new students or these you know these students either your elementary school age kids or the middle school or high school age kids what what type of challenges have you seen or have you you know heard from the other teachers that teach that those other grades as you know as far as creating those same type of problems do you see do you see a larger uh, or a better understanding of how to do that as they get older or because i'm assuming that the kids um the older kids maybe have had some classes in, in STEM before, but, um, you know, some of those students may not have, I mean, what would you, what would you say would be some of the challenges from the aspect of maybe those older kids, especially from you as a, as an elementary school age, you know, teacher, when it comes to that technology, what, what type of challenges would you see that those older kids may have when it comes to those type of, uh, you know, those type of problems in, in, in those classes? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing is, is people say, you know, kids are so tech savvy. Well, they're tech savvy at dumb stuff. And so one of the biggest challenges they have is using it the right way. You know, it, a lot has shifted uh, in the sense that we don't have to necessarily tell them how to use the tools. We have to help them understand the consequences of not using them the right way. But as far as a teacher's challenge our curriculums have changed and have become even more jam-packed year after year after year. Nothing ever comes off the plate and more and more stuff gets added to the plate. So I'm blessed in the sense that I get to spend my time creating these zip lines or taking kids outside and doing some type of, of study of something. The harder part is for the regular teacher to be able to take a science curriculum that's all packaged and, you know, everything's given to them, breaking that out and then making that more nature-based instead of studying organisms through whatever the science book shows, actually getting out and finding out what organisms are out there. So there's a ton of pressure and and it's not just at the upper grades too, it's at the lower grades too. There's a ton of pressure from this reform movement to continually hit what we call annual yearly progress, where you have to continually ramp it up based on what you've done before. You have to keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. Well, there's a threshold of how high you can grow and what you can do. And, and it just seems like more and more is getting packed in and we're demanding more from these kids. Um, and teachers are finding it harder to find time to create those experiences when they're still trying to get through all these other standards and objectives as they have, if, if that makes sense to you. Well, that, yeah, that, I mean, like, yeah, it does. And it, you know, that kind of leads me to another question. What you just brought up is the, I mean, these kids are getting jam packed with stuff. Do you think that that is a, it's going to be more of a hindrance for them as they grow older or in this type of world that we live in, is that going to be actually more beneficial for them to to have more information thrown at them and and taught to them, or do you think that's going to be a hindrance for them to learn in a way where they can be more open minded and more problem solving and more uh, creative thinking of in or you know, what what would you ever thought be on something like that? No, I think I think I think it's already showing up as a detriment in the sense okay. that 
I don't know, and I don't, and I'm hesitant to blame. And, you know, I don't want to blame their teachers, right? Uh, oh yeah. But we're seeing kids that are lacking the ability just to be creative on on their own, just to be able to play mm-hmm. on their own. And it's sad, and it's it's and it's it's really been um, heartbreaking for me these last couple of years to see this. We call it executive function is one of the things. Um, if you if you get into uh, what Google's trying to do uh, with some of their school culture programs, they call it agency, and it's basically you know you having the ability to make decisions for yourselves. Our kids struggle so much at making decisions for themselves that aren't all pre-programmed. Everything is just all laid out and, you know, they're great at being compliant, but when they have to make a decision for themselves, they they struggle mightily. And so here's an example where it's it's showing up higher higher grades, older kids. My dad's a football coach here in Hamilton. He's in his 40th year of coaching, and it's driving him crazy that his kids really struggle to make a decision, an automatic decision on the field. Like, for example, he's an offensive line coach. So, you know, he's telling them, listen, I cannot get with the other coach and always have their kids lined up in the spot where you expect them. You have to figure out who you're going to who you're going to block. And I can only give you so many rules. Sometimes it's just common sense that if the play is going to the right side, you're going to have to do something to get your, your body between that guy and our running back who's coming right off your tail there. And, and I was in a, a Twitter chat today real early this morning, um, just happened to, to come across it with some guys from New Zealand. And I mentioned that. And they were both rugby coaches. And they're like, we're seeing the exact same thing here. And attribute that to just these kids, everything. Yeah, same age, same age kids, kids, high school kids in, in New Zealand. Okay. And it's just the fact that everything is is so scripted, so pre-programmed, so everything that they're robotic. They're focused and good at doing what we need them to do. But when it comes to making their own choices and own decisions, uh, they struggle mightily. At that, and you know, I, I I look at it this way: when we woke up, when we were nine years old, when we woke up in the morning, it was like, especially in the summer, what are we gonna do today? All right, kids today wake up, they wake right. up and they go find out what they're gonna do today. If you know, this is a perfect plug for episode twenty-five of right. Forty-ish, where we discuss what does it mean to go out and play and the need for creativity in this exact conversation, Andy. Exact conversation. Uh, this is no, brilliant. I'm glad we're talk, not insane and in, in thinking this yeah. on our own. And if you want to talk straight creativity, what's what <laughs> well, kills I mean, me is I'll have a whole group of 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 kindergartners in the classroom. And I will take I'll have construction paper and glue sticks mm-hmm. and markers and scissors and all kinds of stuff and it would have been would have been like paradise for me as a five-year-old and they just look at me like well what do you want us to make i make make whatever and they all kind of look and 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 some will start trying a little bit and so then i finally break down and um i'll point out somebody's example or i'll i'll show them an example and then 20 of them all 
make what I showed them, you know, and, and we're trying to figure out where is that starting point? You know, yeah. what's, what's the trigger? What's the trigger that we can give them to get them to be creative without giving them too much information where they just copy it and, you know, and we're, we're still back in that same rut there. That's, yeah, that's so, that's right. so interesting too, Andy, because you know I'm I'm the only one of all of us that isn't a father, and um, you know I I see I see kids nowadays, and you know the kids that mm-hmm. I come in contact with just through you know friends or you know whatever, and I I see so such a lack of that ability to think outside the box and and to think that you know. Because that, and that's one thing that I mean, we talked about another episode of you know Odyssey to Mind, and you know these these creative outlets that, that allow kids to, uh, and that's what I like about STEM stuff right now is just I mean getting these kids out there to to really think outside the box and think of different ways of doing something because I mean just because you're taught a certain way of doing something, which I think all of us were taught that way you know, there's so many other ways of, you know, coming to the same conclusion or even a better conclusion for that matter. And to think right. outside the box like that is, is, you know, you just, I, 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 as not even a parent and not even as, as somebody that's involved in school sees that in the kids. And it's, you know, I can only imagine what being a parent or, you know, having to see kids every single day like that, um, you know, or not necessarily, ex, you know, ex, doing seeing kids like that every day but you know to to experience that it just i i feel sorry for those kids so i've got something i I definitely want to bring up around this topic uh so remind me about screen because that's going to come up big time here in a second but i got i want to go back to something you mentioned uh andy and i want i need moody to chime in on this if you would you mentioned that kids today are good at technology when they're when it's for dumb stuff and, and it's the same thing with people coming in as new graduates and new teachers that just graduated from college, so they must be amazing at technology. Well, no, they're good at Facebook or Snapchat. Right. So I wanted to yeah, ask you, Moody, you stuff. working in the music industry, you're working with young kids, middle-of-the-road people, old-school people who have to kind of wrangle this whole world right. of technology what are you seeing as a skill set that would have been supported by what Andy's doing? And where do you see it lacking? Like what kinds of skills would you hope they would leave school with, whether it be, you know, high school or college or whatever that would be, you know, formulated at that ground level in the elementaries? I mean, I think it honestly comes down to what he already talked about. It's just the ability to think for yourself. Um, or even to think in a longer, um, in a longer span, like we had, um, we had a social media person before that would only look at what do I need to do today? And I, I kept like hammering into him as like, no, no, you need to start looking at this into what am I doing today that affects my week? And how does, how does that actually affect this month for this planning? You know, it's that whole it's the whole long game thing of actually realizing that what you do today has consequences in the long run. But also it's just um, that thing of figuring something out. If you're going to somebody and say, Hey, I need your help on this. 
and they say, well, I don't have time to, to help. You're going to have to take care of it yourself. And then they just freeze. It's like, no, you've just got to figure out how to do it, you know? And that's the thing that most of the, the older generation does has no problem with because I mean, they've figured mm -hmm. th that's how they grew up, you know? Um, and, and we were on, I think that turning point of having those parents that were like that, they're like, look, you just got to figure it out, kid. You've got to do it yourself or even have your dad being like, this is how I would approach it, but put it in such a way that it was still vague enough that you, you got the lesson, but you didn't actually mm -hmm. learn it by rote. So, and now you've got, I think because the parents are so busy too, instead of helping these kids foster that creative thing, um, and questioning everything, they just take care of it because they figure it's like, well, I'm saving us all a bunch of time. But again, you're only doing it today. You're not realizing that what you are doing today is affecting their week or their month or their decades because now they don't have that critical skill to be like, oh, you know, my my kids always have that issue with they um, put their clothes down in the hamper and so or. They don't, and I keep telling them, well, where's the clothes go? Well, I'll get mm -hmm. it to it in a second. I was like, oh, you'll get to it right yeah. now, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and just and immediately without even thinking of it, I was like, you just lost an hour of using your iPad. How's that? And as soon as they start crying, I was like, that's two. How, how are you going to handle so where this? where did we fall down? You know? where, where, where did we get to the point where my eighth grader is doing a le what I remember as 10th, 11th, and 12th grade math, yet the screen is the running of their entire life. They can only function in that world where Andy, where did we fall down or have we not fallen down? We're just need a better approach in terms of, I mean, you're using devices, you're using technology yep. some of the time. It's not exclusive. You're talking about stuff. Lance would love getting your hands dirty, hammering, sawing, gluing, we stringing and, and testing theories and stuff like that. Where is stick? Yeah, we don't talk no, about that. There's the yeah, glitter yeah, incident yeah. that we don't talk about either. <laughs> oh God. Where so where'd we fall down? It, well, it, well, first it was the eating, then it was where the Where did sniffing. we fall down? I don't know. Um, then it was the eating and sniffing. It became a real, to, real it was bad. It was bad. There's a uh, I think it was a movie or something. It's, I've heard it before. It's called it was called The Race to Nowhere. You know, this this bigger and better and 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 smarter and but are we? But are we making them smarter in in what's really important? Um, a lot of schools have, you know, one of the the big movements, and you were you saw this, Jason, you know this this desire to be one to one, one to one device, one to one, you know, and, and it's almost become well, not almost, it has for many districts been a calling card or a marketing schools of choice uh, tool where you know. Hey, we're one-to-one -one iPads here. We're one-to-one -one whatever. You know, students take those home. Yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah, exactly. And, right. and and what I see, having a daughter who's, who's 16 in a one-to-one -one environment. You're like, welcome to 2011. Right in sixth grade when when she hit that. Yeah. Um, at Saga Tuck Middle School. And that was the fact that she's looking at a screen constantly in class, and then all their homework was screen-based. And she was having a heck of a time going to sleep at night because, you know, so much, you know, just whatever, whatever that LCD screen and all those, ref, you know, refreshments in the background are doing, um, 
you know, it was tough. It was right. tough on her. And then, then we add in, you know, all the time that, that everything is, you know, in those phones, um, you know, and, it, and it's tough as a parent too. Um, one of the things that I've discovered with the phone and social media and it's, mm-hmm. and it's not just kids, it's us too, is, you know, everybody talks about FOMO, fear of missing out. Well, it ain't the FOMO that gets you. It's the Rob Lowe and not Rob Lowe from saying almost fire, but I call it the, the, the reality, the reality of being left out. You know, that's, oh, right. that's where the social media hurts, hurts the kids <laughs> is when they see all those, yeah. all those kids over at, um, so-and-so's house around the pool and, and they didn't get invited or, you know, um, you know, and, and we're no, none of us at our house, including my daughter, are Snapchatters. Um, but I know on Snapchat, you can see a map of yeah. where everybody is. Yeah. Well, when all the pins are in that one spot, you know, that, and you didn't, you didn't even get invited to be with those other pins, you know, that's, that's tough. Yep. And yeah, exactly. Just get, just get a bigger pin. Yeah. Pin envy. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Get a bigger pin. I mean, that's, uh, I, I struggle with this mightily because here I am working for a technology company. I am on screens eight plus hours a day. And then I try to make a conscious effort to not be on my screen when everybody comes home, right? I step away. I, I close the door to my office, so to speak. Yep. But the kids who may not have been on screen all day, but have definitely had some technology, that's like their new decompression way, mm-hmm. right? We would come home. Yeah. We'd come home. We'd go play sure. basketball, run around, ride bikes, do something. Or in in another manner, we would turn on yeah. the TV and watch cartoons. Yeah, which isn't that different yeah. from them using their phones. I like, I, that, no, that, I that's gonna, a good I'm glad question. You brought that's that up because question. I've got a, I because, have a yeah. opinion about that one. Go anyway. ahead, but continue with your thought. I want to see where you go. That's basically it. I, I I'm wondering about um, the ability to allow for the balance of. Yeah, being connected and and understanding that that's how oh yeah they are yeah. connected these days. I mean, Losek, do you remember when we were kids? You couldn't wait if you were uh, privileged enough to get your own phone in your own room. Uh, that was huge, and I knew a couple, like two people in our school, that actually got their own phone line. That's what I was just gonna say. Yeah, you, that oh, yeah. was the ultimate status if you. If you looked in the phone book and it said children, like under the yeah. mom and dads, yeah, like yeah. Katie and Wendy Willis in Casa Grande, Arizona, yeah, they had their own number. Oh. Kathy Kathy Taylor had her own, too, because her dad worked for AT&T back in the day. Um, well, Katie Willis's yeah. dad, he supplied all the sod to Arizona State University, Sun Devil Stadium. So Nice. She always had tickets. She's the one that gave me the tickets to go see Rattle and Hum get filmed at Sun Devil Stadium, U2. And then my mother no. said, no, you can't go. We're flying to Michigan that night for mm. uh, Christmas. So I had to give them back. It was awful. Good Lord. So, no, I, I'd love to know the difference. Andy, you said you have an opinion. I'm going to ask Lance that, too. 
Yeah, it's because the um, if we're talking about getting done with school, winding down how you would separate, the fact that it, if, even if it was just 15 minutes, if you got home from school and you went and changed clothes into something you could get sweaty and to play basketball, you were disconnected from your friends for a short time. Now, it's that odd. If you ride home on the bus and you're on your phone sitting next to your friend uh, and you guys are doing the same thing, but just with different people, you know, where where does that, that connection actually shut off where you have time to be alone with your thoughts, so to speak? Uh, that's the one I'm uh, not necessarily concerned with. I just think a bit of the isolation, and maybe that's the introverted side of me coming out, is that you get a minute to focus, to not have to communicate your thoughts for anybody and just regroup. Uh, but now with that, with the phone, when you have 100% connectivity, 100% of the time, where is the brain break coming? Um, so if you're watching Facts of Life, that wasn't interactive. You didn't have a controller in your hand. You weren't talking to your friends about what what Natalie and and Joe and Blair, you know. So I was just watching it evidently. Um, you know, we're doing. Uh, so it's uh, no love for Tootie. You don't. No love. No love for no Tootie. love for Tootie. Well, she's bitter. Kim Fields is bitter. <laughs> about no, wow. anyway but uh you gotta you gotta have some time to the regroup to uh not really shot and let your thoughts condense or whatever you want to call it for the day and then go back outside and play or whatever you're gonna do but uh, yeah when you have the universe at your fingertips communication wise uh, I, I think it, it stops your ability to simmer down and then uh, and collect your well, thoughts. Well, I think there's a big difference in the fact that if you're watching a, a sitcom, you know, that's that's all there is. And like you said, the universe is at your your fingertips, but it's it's that other constant bombardment of it's like it's like mini asteroids coming in mm -hmm. like this is happening to, with your friends and this is yeah. happening drake dropping a new album here or and and all this like all this stuff is coming on and and that's not even bringing any politics or anything into it i had a, i had a really interesting experience yeah. this past spring break we always go down to anna maria island in Florida, uh, it's a terrible place. You guys never, ever want to go there, right? I'm not advertising for Anna Maria Island. Too many people are going there right now. Yes. No. This just <laughs> in. Any, anyway, yeah, right. so so it's like, it's like <laughs> our paradise. We love it. Go down there. And I just went 100% cold turkey on social media during that week. And it was the most liberating thing that I've I've done in a long time because you realize like all these all these things that are that are hitting your subconscious almost. Uh, and it was just, it was just great. And then as I came back off spring break and slowly got back on social media, I would, I, I could feel those like, like incoming, you know, incoming jets. Like I'm a air traffic controller trying to deal with all this, all this input that's coming in. And, and our kids are never escaping that, you know, when, when we're watching Gilligan's Island, you know, that was, yeah. That was whatever, you know, the, our parents was all, oh, you know, you're zoned out watching, watching MTV. Well, yeah, but it was one song at a time. And that's all that was 
you know, all that was coming in. Zoning out probably yeah. was pretty good for us that way. So I got a question for everybody then, uh, talking about Litter Meteors, and I, I really want to go down the list here. How many of you, when you see or feel a notification come to your phone in your pocket, can withstand the urge to immediately look at it? I, most of the time, cannot withstand that urge. I have a smartwatch on my wrist that also yells at me, and it's usually something not important at all, at all. But in that moment, it's everything to me. Lance, do you, can you handle it? Can you not look? Yeah, I can't. I, I would say, you know, probably 75% of the time, but I, I also have different, different notifications for different things. So, I mean, uh, most of the stuff that I look at, I don't look at my email hardly at all anymore, either on my phone or my laptop. Um, I, you know, most of the stuff I look at is, uh, you know, possibly some type of Twitter response, but I, um, I don't get, there's nothing that I absolutely need to have. I mean, you know, my, most of my hangout messages that I get, uh, you know, through my texting is really the only thing I, I look at. But when I'm at my desk at work, I, I have all those notifications pop up on my screen at work. Um, they're not a distraction, mm -hmm. but I just, I don't, you know, I don't, it just doesn't bother me. I mean, it, uh, you know, so, and that's normally when I you know, get stuff is during the day, but when I'm at home, so you don't drop everything no, God, no, and no, look at, no, you're aware yeah, of and if, you know, oh, my okay. phone, my phone's right there on my you know computer, but you know, right, by, right underneath my screen. So, or screens, if I, you know, if I need something or if somebody you know says something that they need to talk to me urgently, um, I'm at a, you know, I, I do a job that I can, you know, I can break off and, you know, answer it if I absolutely need to, but, you know, uh, you know, but even at night, I don't, I don't pick up the phone just cause I, you know, hear something that, you know, passes by cause it's more than likely it's just, you know, some, something that I don't even need to look at. What about you, Moody? I rarely keep my phone on my body. Really? So yeah. Or if I do, I've been doing that thing that um, I've noticed actually most females do. They'll put it in their back pocket. Mm -hmm. And I mean, because I've got the 8 Plus, it just works better that way. But I don't even notice any of the notifications that way. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, usually when I'm at work, it is sitting on my desk. So I rarely catch the notifications there. And um, on my... Uh, on my Apple Watch, it's different, you know, I can, but it's one of those that the notifications come in as, you know, different things. So I know if it's a text, it beeps one way. If it's anything else, it does the other way. And the only ones I'll ever check is a text only if I'm expecting something. That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's why you're ignoring. Yeah, that, well, it, and I, no, this is funny. In, in anticipation of this episode, I was like, you know, I have it in front of me all the dang time. And this is, I mean, I'm, I'm recording videos, I'm doing voiceovers, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm so plugged in that I, thinking about taking my family down to Anne Marie Island and unplugging for a week. When do you guys go low sick? I'll make sure I'm down there yeah. at the same time. Let me know but, we, uh, would, we would love to have you. That would be a blast, dude. Yeah. I, I think it would be fun. Uh, Tucker, how about you? You're in, you're in an environment where it's not as apropos either. No. And um, I know there are some places that uh, you're not allowed to have phone, anything that has a Bluetooth capability 
uh, on you. It's not supposed to be physically on your person. I'm not working in that environment anymore, but I think I'm kind of aligned with Lance is that um, if I can tell, like through peripheral vision, if I can see if it's something from you guys, Twitter or a text, um, then I will jump on that one. But if it's something else like uh, sports scores pop up, because I have the app that'll tell you when something starts or anytime somebody scores that one, I, I will block out and then get to it when I can. So uh, yeah, I have it, but uh, I mistakenly left my phone at home for a long weekend. And that was a little surreal. Like the first few hours I kept uh, patting down my pockets looking and then after the the next morning I just about totally forgotten it so uh, I don't treat it as an extension but uh, to uh, I can ignore it I guess depending on the situation how about you Lozick well uh, yeah I think it depends on the situation if I'm with my if I'm with my wife I can I can just totally like put it aside (laughs) but like if I'm someplace you know I don't know. It's, it's the, uh, you know, she's texting me, make sure I bring home the right stuff from the store or whatever. Um, but, but then there's other times when I'm really into, maybe there's a a conversation on Twitter that we're having or, or I just, or I just crafted that perfect tweet, just fired it out there and just waiting for the, uh, the accolades to come in. You know, I, I joke about that of course, but, uh, but you know those those situations. Um, but for the most part, like at home uh, in the evening, I'll plug it in. I'll put it out in the kitchen, and um, and then I'll I'll go check it. Maybe I don't know, an hour, couple hours, or whatever. Um, but no, um, not necessarily needing to look at every notification right away. I've really thought about that whole detox idea for one for myself to see if I could actually do it, but. Uh, <clears throat> heavy-handedly forcing it upon my family for those right. defined family times. You know, I'm I'm curious on one thing though. When everyone's talking about all these notifications and everything's that pop up, I've turned them all off on my phone. I mean, the only ones that come through for me, um, honestly, are texts You're so and smart, emails. Booty. You're so smart. Other than that, all my other apps, I I don't get any notifications from them whatsoever. Some I do, some I don't. Hey, I, it's one of those creative it's problem solvings when I was like, this thing's bugging the hell out of me. So I used the sure. Google and it was like, you know, easy ways to do this. And, you know, yeah. 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 And one of it's like, just turn off all notifications unless, you know, some people say all of them, but, you know, I just kind of went down to the ones that I don't, that I don't need. So, I mean, that's probably half the reason too, that I don't usually have that many things that I'm worrying about because the only things that are going to come through are texts and emails and emails I can easily ignore and texts only if I'm expecting something or if I'm like in a pretty big discussion already with somebody. Yeah, Jason, you're gonna, you, well, you need to find that article and tag it on our, uh, on our post. Well, yeah, there was the, the detox one I'll find for sure. It, um, it was, it was pretty, some of it was pretty, it's kind of like uh, talking financial stuff with Dave Ramsey. I mean, generally speaking, I think he's got good ideas, but some of his stuff is super intense. I think it's the same way with this. There are some intense things you can do, and maybe I'm only finding them intense because they scare me and I'm fearful of what I'm going to learn about myself. I don't know. That's very, it's interesting though. Yeah. Well, during that week, I, I found it to be really self-reflective that way. 
and and it was like I was just joking, you know, about I'll send out that great tweet. Can't wait to see all the, you know, what the response is. And you start to think like, all right, you know, am I, you know, am I putting this stuff out there, you know, kind of trolling for the, hey, add a boy, that's really great. Or, you know, mm-hmm. within the educational realm, am I sharing this out because I think it could help another teacher because I get so much of, you know, so much benefit looking at Twitter, other teachers, things that I can use in my classroom, ways to handle things, stuff like that, great discussions. So, um, you know, it, it made me really do that. And there are a lot more tweets now that I'll, I'll either delete or pull back or like, you know what, I, I don't need to, I, nobody needs to hear that right now. Well, and I've even told Moody this, uh, at the height of my Twitter usage, I probably followed um, several hundred people and it was just a, it was a digital vomiting on my screen. As it stands right now, I follow uh, 128 people oh, wow. or 128 accounts. And I constantly am, I'll get in little, little vibes where I'll follow five or six because I find it interesting. And then I'll become disinterested in their, their content and I'll drop them. Like I will very freely admit to you, even with your on low, like 95% of the, former educator life of me has unfollowed tons of educators. Cause I just, I can't relate right. to what they're talking about right. as much anymore. And, and the same article is retweeted by 15 people because they're all in the same stream of consciousness, which is good. I just ain't nobody got time for that in my current world. Right. I so, mean, I'm, I'm looking at mine right now. Yeah. I'm following 3,065 people. So, you know, but, yeah. but the thing is, I don't know, maybe it is some of that, that fear of missing out. It's, it's like a lot of these people are people I work with that, that never do tweet, you know, and there's some cleanup things that I could, I yep. could go in there, but it's that, you know, it's that one time, you know, if they are going to tweet or, or whatever. And, and what I've done is I've, I've tried to, I've actually cut down and tried to focus my, my Mr. Losick Twitter account as, as more educational. And then there's other things that I, I use. I use TweetDeck mm-hmm. as well, where I can create lists of people yep. and not necessarily follow them. And then, you know, you can you can see I can put all the educators together. I can put news sources together. I can put sports sports groups together that way and be following that without actually, you know, having them on my Twitter stream. Go by. Gotcha. Well, guys, we're coming close to the end of our session, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, totally insult yeah. our guests. So here we go. You ready? <clears throat> Andy, uh, you are a former Division II college oh, football yes. player. Yes, I am. So my first, my first question is this. C- couldn't hack it in D1? I, I don't understand. I barely could hack it in Division II, man. <laughs> I was. I, I mean, that's that's. I mean, level. you don't you don't have to take that crap. The closest Jason got to a football Valade field was playing trombone Valade. on it while the announcer botched his name. Volati. Several several times, I might add. The trombone and the botched name. Hey, no, I, you know you can you can say what you want, but I will always be three and two lifetime against Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly was at Grand Valley when I was at Hillsdale. He was coaching, of course. I was playing, and and then uh, my fifth year when I was student teaching, I was 
I was helping out up in the booth on the coaching staff. But Brian Kelly. Nope. Beat them three out of the five times. Wow. So uh, Brian Kelly's Notre Dame's football coach now. He's the Notre Dame head football coach. He went from Grand Valley okay. to Central um, to Cincinnati Central. to Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. Not a very kind human being. So I really, uh, really appreciate you know that. So yeah, so yeah, I did play uh, Division Two football. Um, I had a very Rudy like existence on Hillsdale College's football team, and uh, what was cool is that movie came out the uh, like right right around the end of my senior year, and. Um, my career ended very similar to his. I didn't get carried off the field by my teammates, but um, but I got in, made a last tackle on one of the last plays, and so that's cool. Yeah, you know, that was nice. that was something I uh, something I I you know growing up just always was there that I wanted to play college football and got to do it and got to play at the same school where my dad played, and um, it was a great experience. I can't even imagine. And, and the school you went to is absolutely one of the most – you think of college, and I think of three colleges. I think of Notre Dame. I think of uh, Kalamazoo College here just for picturesqueness, and I think of your school, Hillsdale. Just like you walk in there and you're walking around campus going, this is ju- this is what you imagine, older buildings, yep. you know, the the, the – vines growing on the sides of the building just absolutely yeah, it's amazing a, a beautiful absolutely place i was just down there for homecoming um and that, that place my dad used to joke when i was there that he's like oh i could never get in here you know now and well that's how mm-hmm. it is now um everybody that i graduated with we talk about that you know they they require a 28 at least to even sniff being on the football team wow. there and so like they're uh, on the act and so, um, yeah, it's ridiculous the academic standards they have, and and some argue that it's it's hurting them a bit, uh, you know, in the Division Two football realm. But uh, you know, that's that's a whole other mm-hmm. other article argument. I think no, I think it's a that's a, another good conversation. I'd like to talk about eventually what it takes to get into college because that's a conversation I'm going to start having here. With my oldest, who at this point right now is a phenomenal student, but stuff can well, slip. I, you just want to, yeah, exactly. Give well, I have a sophomore, and uh, I tell you what, there's when you start seeing the workload. She's taking two AP classes and a pre-calc, and man, it's 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 a, again some of that race to like what are what are we really what are we really preparing them for here with AP World History and and everything, but. Um, the great thing about her is, right. is she, you know, more than even us, she knows that she can't be like the stereotype of the rest of her generation there. You know, she's extremely creative, um, rides horses, very athletic, and knows that, uh, you know, she has to be able to think for herself and and do all those things we were just talking about. So makes me extremely proud as a dad to see that. As wow. much as anything that might come home on a report card or how many go- goals she scores, how many rebounds she has, how many things she wins on her horse. Right. Unbelievable. Well, Andy, I wanted to take this time to thank you and everybody to, for joining us here on f- the 36th episode of 40-ish. Um, 
make sure that if you have any questions or comments about this, you can definitely reach out to us at our Twitter handle podcast 40 ish and a fun programming note. We actually are privileged to have guests like the caliber of Mr. Low secure lined up. Jeez. All the way through January. 2019. Yeah. We're into January already of next year. So uh, this is going to be a surprise double <laughs> week for the people listening in the future. Yeah, Sorry. It's been cool. Andy. Thank uh, you. Andy's is coming out today or tomorrow. And then we're going to have another guest later this week, but Andy, hey, thank you so much for the time. Tonight. Hey, we, we great really uh, spending time with you guys and, the cool thing about Jason inviting me to uh, Beyond 40-ish is I discovered 40-ish. So uh, I've added it to my podcast rotation. And I'll have to go back and uh, and really look at some of those back ones that when you were talking about creativity, we were talking about that. So, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That was a that was. There's a couple that, that have been one. pretty deep. The creativity, the uh, Odyssey of the Mind ones, we had – couple guests on one from the middle of the, the ocean our friend kevin was out in hawaii he was on the podcast um but yeah the the go out and play was actually the, the here you go guys was the crux of the original idea of the whole podcast was nice yep yep moody uh it, the golf ball has been teed well, up well, let me make away. one more comment i was gonna i was <laughs> i was thinking about this oh, what we need in yes. all of our industries yeah. and everything we need more farm kids because out here in rural West Michigan, the farm kids are the ones in my classes that do all this stuff. They're the, still the ones that can figure out stuff for themselves. They're still the ones that they don't get bored. They find really yeah. creative ways to use their time. And they're the ones that um, yeah, and they're gonna, we're hoping. They mean, they're going to need to get into the service industries, which a lot of them, you know, that, that creative way of thinking it really is a creative way of, you know, creative outlook and out, you know, because just be able to have people that know, you know, know mechanical things can put things together. Can, you know, it's going to be different than sitting in front of a computer analyzing numbers and, you know, not to say that those aren't important, but they, when you, you're, we're going to need yep. these, these service people and, you know, they're going to be able to name their price at that point. Cause well, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So, but well, I we know of a high school junior people in the mm-hmm. recent year made about no. ninety six thousand dollars as a diesel tech while he was still going to high school because that that's what he loved and there was ample opportunity for him to work. Oh yeah, yeah. And, uh... <laughs> so I'll go be diesel techs, guys. Holy yeah. cow! Well, Good on you, Carpenter. Go. I think plumbing sounds pretty good to me. There you go. Or journeyman. The other kid uh, that we know plumbing, is, right? a, is I mean, an underwater welder down in Georgia, and he oh, just two hundred dollars yeah, an hour. Named his right. price. No kidding. Wow. Well, my thanks to Lance and Moody and Tucker and a Mr. Losick. Thanks so much for being here tonight, gentlemen. If I don't talk to you soon, I'll catch you in the next one. Yes. Have a safe flight. All right. Sounds good, man. Thank you.